Holly G with the Golf Insiders. This U.S. Open had more twists and turns than a Grand Prix race, and it was definitely John Rahm's time. Do you believe in karma? I do. And uh, we're going to talk all about that unbelievable finish on Sunday, on Father's Day, with Bob Herrig from ESPN.com. Hi, Bob. Hello there. How are you? You were there. I think many of us watching from home couldn't believe what was happening on that back nine on Sunday. But at the end of the day, it just seemed, I felt like it from the beginning of the round, that this was John's time. All the stars were lining up, and they sure did, off the coast of California. You know, I wish I'd have had the foresight to see all the factors in play that would have led me to bet a lot of money on that outcome. Right. Because if you think about it, there was, you know, clearly the way he handled the memorial and the aftermath of that was was a positive. Great, you know, great kind of, you know, a, a sort of a good feeling towards about the way he dealt with that and moving forward. Then you, fig- you figure that he, he uh, not only did he win his first tour event at Torrey Pines, that's where him and his now wife were engaged. Right. Um, you know, and, and of course... Father's just Day. A, right. They just had a baby a couple of months ago, so his very first Father's Day is being spent at Torrey Pines with his wife, who he had got engaged to there, and then he throw in all the goodwill from the memorial, and of course he was going to win. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it was, and, and, you know, it's interesting if you look back that of the guys who were in contention, um, Rom is the only one who did not make a bogey uh, on the back nine. Right. You know, so, like, say what you want about the others coughing it up, but he played great. He shot 200 on the back nine, birdie 17 and 18, kind of just lurked. And, you know, and, and, and when he had to, he made the putts. It was great stuff. He did, and apparently he even called it, said to his caddy, I believe, what was it, um, on, after 14, we need two pars and two birdies. Let's go get this. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, what was interesting about the birdie on 18 is, all right, he's five under at the time, and so is Oosthuizen, who's playing 17 or maybe just finishing 16 at the time. The way he's looking at 17 is, I've got to birdie this hole because he could birdie this hole to beat me. And, you know, most people, the, the 18th was playing fairly easy. You know, uh, the, the tee was up. It, it was meant to go for the green and two. Yeah, made a fun finishing hole. Right. And so, you know, he hits his second shot into that greenside bunker. And then I think a lot of us were wondering, why are you not being more bold? You know, he didn't really take on the pin. He played it out to the right a little bit. Like, he was being safe in case he didn't hit a great shot. He didn't want it to roll off into the water, obviously. Right. And, you know, he left himself that 20-footer that he made, um, which was really, like, that, that took a lot of fortitude 
to kind of be within himself to play the hole that way. And then, of course, when Oosthuizen made bogey, uh, you know, now now he's got to eagle the last hole. A birdie doesn't doesn't do anything. Doesn't so, so you know, Rom Rom knew what he needed to do there. He was able to get it done, and uh, it was. Um, it was, you know, it, it was a, he was a worthy winner for sure. And these weren't just run-of-the-mill birdie putts. Needless to say, the final two holes of your first major championship, you know, it was a bendy, curly 25-footer on 17, and then another left to right, as you said, from 20 feet. I mean, you know, holy moly. <laughs> Exactly. They weren't gimmies at all. They they weren't stuffed shots in there. But 17 was not playing easy, and you take what you get there, and, you you know, that's what you do. You you try to hit it, in, in, you know, somewhere on the green to give yourself a chance, especially in that U.S. Open where there were so many mistakes being made. But that was the one that gave him – that put him in position to make that birdie, you know. He, he's not having to force it now on 18. He's feeling like, you know – if I can birdie the hole, I'm, I'm going to, at the worst, be in a playoff. If I can par the hole, I still might be in a playoff. You know, uh, as it turned out, he would have. You know, Louis ended up ended up birdieing 18. I don't know if he would have played the hole differently if he knew that he just only had to birdie it, but uh, to, to finish one back. So, uh, in any case, it, uh, it, it worked out for him. And that birdie on 17 that Rom made really – put the pressure back on Louie, you know, he said he, you know, he would have done it again, that he really was forced to be aggressive and try to drive the canyon, which, you know, turned out to be uh, probably the icing on the cake in terms of losing the championship. But, you know, he, he just said that he had to be aggressive if he was going to win, what did you think? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, L- L- Louis, I think, made a tactical error there on 17. Um, you know, as he, he, he basically had, um, you know, all of San Diego to the right. Yeah. And, and obviously you don't want to hit it in the rough, but you're not doing yourself any good hitting it in a hazard. And, that was that was crucial, you know. It was if he gets that ball on the fairway and at least makes par, um, you know. Obviously, it gives it still gives him a chance to to do what he did on 18 to tie, you know. And and now you just made it really hard on yourself, you know. You're going to have to try to eagle a hole, and he, he missed the fairway. Um, I just think uh, I think that was a tactical error taking on so much of it because. You know, if, I, I'm not sure what, what he had to gain. Was he going to be that much closer that he could stuff it in there? Was he trying to make birdie? You know, I, I think par was fine on that hole. So, uh, you know, I understand not wanting to hit it in the rough, but, but well, um, I mean, you know. Even if he so, he, so he plays up on the second shot or is short, still got a chance to put it in on three. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you certainly you could get it up and down for the par. you got no chance to make par when you just hit it at the hazard. You're, you're scrambling for the bogey, uh, which he made. You know, he made a bogey. So, um, uh, yeah, that was 
you know, there's a time to be aggressive. There's a time to not. I mean, I think Bryson would share that view, although, you know, Bryson, I think, still believes that just bombing it out there is the play. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, you know, I think I think if Louie had it to do over again, he'd, he'd, he'd change his, his angle of approach off that tee there a little bit. Another second place. He's, he's taken the title away from Phil in terms of uh, racking up second places in, in, <laughs> the, in the majors. Um, all right, let's talk about Bryson. His quote uh, in the presser afterwards, Bob, said, I didn't get off the rails at all. It's golf. I've had plenty of times where I hit it way worse than today, and I won. It's just one of those things where I didn't have the right breaks happen at the right time. What? Yeah, I mean, I think, what, he made a double and he made a quad? I think that's off the rails. Yeah. You know, and... A shot in a canyon and a shank. he, He might not have been off the rails swing-wise, but the results of those swings put him off the rails. I mean, you know, on 13, he slipped. I give him the benefit of the doubt there. That was a really bad break. Yeah. A couple guys did. There was something going on on that 13th tee. Moisture or um, something. From yeah, him. because he slipped, and, you know, he was not out of it at that point, even though he didn't, I guess, he, you know, he bogeyed 11 and 12, and those were the hardest two cold holes on the course. Right. Ron, by the way, parred them both. He's the, You know, he got through there. But, you know, he had – Bryson, I think, had made it through 10 without a bogey. Right. Uh, all, all day. Uh, but he only hit one fairway on the front, you know. And so that's where, you know, is that going to catch up with you? Possibly. Um, although that strategy worked for 63 holes. He was leading the tournament, you know, hardly hitting any fairways, just bombing it out there. So it's hard to argue against it, but – the problem is, is if you do miss, now you're faced with some, some difficulty, and he just wasn't able to handle it there on the back nine. And his his remarks afterward, I mean, you know, look, it's the heat of the moment and all, but uh, it, it came off as a little whiny. Yes, you know, it I got did. a lot of bad breaks, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, I wasn't off the rails. This is golf. I think it would have been fine to say, yeah, it, you know, this is golf. Um, you know, as we're, we're, you know, whatever, I, I wasn't able to, to execute some shots from the rough or whatever, you know, uh, you know, just take on a little bit of responsibility there. You know, look, at 17, he's pretty much out of it. And, uh, yeah, 17's uh, understandable, and he, yeah. he had a tough shot there buried above the bunker. Uh, right. But I think what happened on the tee on the 13th got under his skin for some reason, and he went from deep rough to deep rough to bunker, and then he blasted out of the sand over the green and makes right. double bogey on, let's face it, 13, you know, definitely a, a fairly consistent birdie hole during the tournament. To, to, that was the killer. To, to, to bogey 13 after he had had the slip-ups before that, if he birdies the hole like, you know, like you're thinking he should if, if you want to win, um, he's right back in the mix. You know, I believe what had happened was if he, he was five under at the turn leading. He bogeyed 11 and 12, which puts him down to three under. If he, if he, um, if he birdies 13 now, he's back to four under. You know, and he's, and he's right there. I mean, Rom hasn't done what he's done yet. Right. Um, you know, the, the lead was four or five at that point. You know, he's right back in it. Instead, he bogeys and he goes to one under. 
you know, and now he's in this position of having to play catch-up on the last five holes where you're just not going to make two or three birdies on those holes. You know, so that was the killer. And then there was the, you know, you know, right in front of him there was that guy running out on the course. Uh, you what know, happened uh, there? You know, hitting golf balls and trying to dodge the cops. And, I, you know, that was disruptive. Um, you know, that happened before Bryson finished the hole. And there was, you know, there was a delay because of it. Uh, you know, if he wanted to point to that as a bad break, I'd give him that one, you know. Uh, but, um, you know, I think you have to admit that down, you know, under the gun there, he just didn't execute the shots. Well, and the man that executed the shots and executed so much passion and just his belief, Bob, in that the time was going to come, uh, you've covered many majors uh, who could have thought that after the epic finish in 2008 at Torrey Pines with Tiger and Rocco, that in some way this U.S. Open could top it? What were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the beauty of, of Torrey Pines now. Um, you know, it's given us two uh, major championships that went down to the 18th hole. Um you know, granted, once Louis uh, didn't hold his third shot, it was over. But it was still down to the 18th hole. Uh, the winner birdied the 18th hole, uh, and you and know, he Tigers, had to go out and win it. Right. Not back into it. Right. Exactly. And uh, uh, you know, so it was. It was, uh, and, and, and we had a lot of ups and downs, and we had a lot of players in the mix, and we had birdies and bogeys and doubles. You know, what happens at a typical U.S. Open? It's a bit of a slog. It's like there's a lot of bogeys and doubles, and pars are really, really good. You know, at this one, it was more, there was a lot of birdies to be had. It was just almost impossible to avoid bogeys and sometimes doubles. You know, so I think the mindset was is, you know, I can't just play par golf. I can't just be hanging in there because there's a disaster lurking, and I'm going to need to make up for it somewhere. And, uh, you know, we saw, what, the winning total was 600. That's two in a row now that the winning total has been 600. The winning score has been 600 in, relate, in relation to par. The score would have been higher uh, at the PGA because that was a par 72. But still... It, it was like you weren't you, you weren't going to be able to get away with just trying to shoot par because you were going to obviously have some day, some moments where you weren't going to make pars. Now Bryson got through all of Saturday without a bogey, but very few players managed to have bogey-free rounds or even a round without a double. You know, so it, it and yet there were holes that you can make birdie on. So that's why I thought it was so good. I mean, it was a. Well, there's been a lot of criticism of Torrey Pines as a you know as a venue, you know as a, as you know as a yeah do a deep dive into architecture, but it sure produced. You know, twice it's produced and I agree. And the players the players didn't complain. They thought it was set up fair. When Phil's saying it's fair, you know it's got to be fair. Exactly. So, so. But anyway, it was uh, it was good stuff. Speaking of Phil, was it too much to ask for 
the hope of him completing the Grand Slam in San Diego. Yeah, probably. You know, I mean, there was there was a part of me that kind of thought that um, uh, perhaps he could carry over that momentum and and be able to uh, you know ride it a little bit and and play on a course that he had the opportunity to prepare on the week before because he lives out there and and sort of embrace the challenge. Um, and obviously, you know, played well at Kiowa, keep some of that same stuff going. But, you know, he put himself a little bit behind on Thursday, uh, and then he did shoot a good round Friday uh, and got himself to, to two over for the tournament, which, you know, I, I believe was only five back, which is, which is doable. You know, but then he just didn't have it at all on Saturday. You know, and while... I think it was too much to ask. I am a little surprised that that he struggled as much as he did, you know. And and I'm really hoping that we see some results out of him so that so that Kiowa isn't just the pie, you know, the pie in the sky, the one off, the stars aligning, you know, week because because uh, it'd be nice to see him, you know, continue on that run for a little while. Yeah, it sure would. Uh, the other thing that frequently happens at the U.S. Open, Bob, is that a few unknowns pop up on the leaderboard, and uh, there were a few that not only popped up but were there at the finish. My new favorite golfer, Guido Migliozzi from Italy. <laughs> How about this yeah. guy? Yeah, you know, and he lost in a playoff to John Bland at that uh, British Masters back right. in May when John Bland won for the first time at age 48. Speaking um, of unknowns, oh, relatively yeah, so, unknowns. Yeah, I believe this was only the second or third time Bland played a, a professional event in the U.S. Incredible. Um, you know, I think he played the U.S. Open in 09 and maybe one other time. I mean, his, his, uh, it, it was only his fourth major. He had played in... Uh, he had played in a, one major per decade, actually, so it's pretty wild. But, yeah, you're right. There are always some unknowns, and I don't think that guy from, from Italy is going to be an unknown. I think he's pretty good. Agree. So so many players, so so deep. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes from Canada was in the mix for a while. And, it, it, again, it just shows you how, uh, you know, he missed, what, five or six cuts coming in. Now he had a rough day. On Sunday, shot 77, but, you know, he was right there in the mix. Yep, exactly. And, uh, you know, um, and, and we had some we had some big namers who, who didn't do much, you know. it's Yeah, it's I, had, a, I had Xander. I was, you know, a little bit disappointed in Xander, and I, I've got a little feeling Xander's a little bit like, he feels a little bit to me like Louie. You know, like he's he's gonna need a little prodding to yep. get that major. Absolutely, he's a you're little right. Fire in you know a little more aggressiveness. What do you think? I think he needs to win a couple tournaments too, just regular events. I think that would help. I mean, you've got to you've got to close close some of these things out, even if it's a regular event. Um and. Uh, and he, 
you know, he's not been doing that either lately. Well, uh, Brooks, so. Brooks was in the mix, too. At one point, one off the lead, Bob. Uh, so he looks almost like he's back in form. Uh, you know, fell off a little bit, but still shot a 69. Yeah, uh, and bogey, bogey two of the last four, including 18. You know, so that had to leave a bit of a sour taste. Um, so... T for four, though, you know, I mean, strong showing. He's he's like Tiger, though. He's not there to, you know, he's always there to show up to win. He's just that that kind of guy. Exactly. And, you know, I, I realize at the end he's going for, trying to just go for whatever, but it would have been good for him to, you know, finish up a little higher um, and a little bit better. And I also think it'll be good for Brooks to be a little bit more competitive in regular tour events. You know, I mean, uh, Tiger only cared about the majors too, but if you take the majors in the world golf events away, he still won 49 others, you know. So uh, that's pretty good. You know, Brooke, I think it would do Brooks some good to be ready to go every week as opposed to just the, the, the major weeks. Well, this is uh, one of those off-major weeks, but a, a tournament with uh, high regard, the Travelers' Championship at the TPC River Highlands in Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, this was where DJ won last year and got on his roll, Bob. What should we be looking for ahead this week and weekend? Yeah, this, 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 this is an interesting week coming off the U.S. Open, you know. Um, it's a it's a golf course that yields a lot of birdies. Um, I think it pays to, to to have some form because you know you're you've 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 got to be into it from the get go. You got to know that you need to go low at this course. You know, a couple of rounds of seventy usually doesn't get it or seven sixty nine. So you know who's who's motivated. You know, does anybody come out of out of there, you know, ready to go as opposed to being down after the U.S. Open? So it's got a great field again. This tournament has done phenomenal in this date. It's, sure it's not has. supposed to be a it's not supposed to be a good date, but they've managed to turn it into a pretty good date. And uh, I give them lots of credit. Well, who's your uh, who's your pick? Throw your dart. Who's my pick? Yeah, this one's a this one's a good one. It's actually a pretty good field. It is, and there and are a bunch of guys you know laid well in the open. Even people like you know Bubba Watson and Paul Casey. And if we you know go a little deep here, yeah, Bubba actually had a pretty good first two days, and he's this this is a side of three of his wins. And his last his last win on tour was 2018. I actually, you know, I'm I'm actually pretty good on Bubba for this week. I, I think he's, I think he was, he was playing decently enough last week. I know he didn't have a great Saturday and Sunday, uh, but I'm going to go with DJ because DJ wasn't awful last week. He was decent. Mm. You know, he, he, he finished down the, the list a little bit, but it was better than he's been playing. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to like getting back onto a course where he can make a bunch of birdies. Well, how about this little piece of trivia? This is the 10-year anniversary of the 60 that Patrick Cantlay shot there as an amateur. How about that? Yeah, that is wild. I think it's been that long ago. 
because he went through a lot of grief there for a couple of years. He sure um, did, but it's good to see him back. Yep, definitely. All right, well, we'll leave it there. As always, check out all of Bob's stories at ESPN.com. Thank you, Bob, so much. Have a great week and weekend.